Welcome to Fast Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for friends of the Hebrew Bible and everywhere. I am Paul Essa, PhD student in the Hebrew Bible program at Yale University in Haven, and a guest host extraordinaire filling in for Rachel and Tim this week. Thanks for welcoming me into the Fast Reading virtual studio. We are so excited to have you here, Paul. <laughs> Welcome, and thanks for pinch hitting for Tim and Rachel this week. I know our listeners will enjoy hearing from you. And may I just say, hey, that podcast host hat is looking pretty good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rosie. I'm glad to be here and excited to get into the passage with you. So the first reading for Sunday, February 12th is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 through 20. This is a kind of a notorious passage in the Hebrew Bible, right? Uh, these first verses in our reading come at the very end of what is presented in Deuteronomy as Moses' last sermon before he himself goes off into the veritable sunset and Joshua takes over as a leader. That's right, Paul. For folks preparing their own sermons this week, I've got to say that it seems highly appropriate to be looking at what's presented here in Deuteronomy as Moses' own preaching. But as you've said, we're picking up at the very end of his sermon. And so as so often happens with our lectionary readings, a significant part of the lead up is missing. By way of background, it may help listeners to remember that Deuteronomy is intended to read as a reenactment of Moses's final instructions to the people of Israel. So the people of Israel are depicted at the start of the book, gathered together, listening attentively as a congregation in the wilderness to Moses's solemn last words just before they enter the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. So Deuteronomy is the second telling of the instruction or Torah, hence the name Duro, second, nomi, from the Greek nomos, the word for law, Deuteronomy. So in what is presented as Moses' farewell speeches, the book here reviews the whole code of the law, the story of Israel's wilderness wandering, along with a strict set of warnings that they should be faithful to God or else. Right, or else. Moses is quite high on the consequences of unfaithfulness in these verses, isn't he? Yeah, right. So the passage begins on the most somber of tones. After having rehearsed their shared past, Moses closes his sermon with these momentous words. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Now, that's a translation you'll find in the NRSV, but the Hebrew is actually a, a little bit more straightforward. See, I've set before you today life and tov, good, death and ra, evil. So while the translation prosperity is a fair one in this context, there's something broader that's going on in the Hebrew. And I want to point that out for our listeners Prosperity and adversity tend to be associated with economic circumstances, with finances, particularly here in the West in American Christianity. But the language of good and evil is clarifying, I think at least. It echoes all the way back to the creation stories and the tree of knowledge of good and evil of Tovara. Yeah. So from Genesis 2 verse 9, right? So mm -hmm. this isn't just about living a comfortable life. That's not what Moses is actually pointing to. There's a moral choice, an ethical choice that Moses is laying down before the people. One way is good and leads to life. The other way is evil and leads to death. And these so-called two paths that we see throughout scripture appears 
throughout wisdom literature in particular, like Proverbs and the Psalms, where we often see these two paths as a means of instructing the people. So folks might recall Psalm 1, which is probably familiar. Mm -hmm. Happy is the one who does not walk in the way of the wicked or sit in the seat of mockers. The wicked, on the other hand, are not so, right? So the two paths there. And in fact, the psalm reading for this very week from Psalm 119 picks up on this type of imagery, right? So happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, who do no wrong, but walk in his way. So again, these two paths. This is the type of framing that Moses uses to close his sermon to the people. There's one way that leads to life and another that leads to death. Choose the good, avoid the evil. Now, of course, there's a bit of a complication here, and it's not this straightforward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think life is considerably more complicated than Moses presents, if only there was just two parts. Uh, it often seems like there are too many parts before us, and none of them are clearly evil or good. Right. That's exactly, that's the problem right here. So this is probably where we should also put on our historical critical hats mm -hmm. and remind ourselves that while Deuteronomy is intended to read as Moses's final words delivered before a rapt audience, in fact, this book was probably put together and shaped for a much later audience, <laughs> an Israel that had already experienced deportations and exile in the 7th century BCE and already knew what had happened to this imagined generation that is here pictured sitting before Moses' feet. Deuteronomy is presented as a historical memory, an imagined event that took place long before with inevitable consequences. So when the audience of the 7th century BCE and future generations like ourselves, when we listen to Deuteronomy, we, we might feel that we're there reenacting this event. But that is part of the distinctive style of this book. Right. Notice the way the passage keeps using the word today, hayom, this day in verses 15, verse 18 and 19. It's designed to help us feel as though we too are being presented with a choice this very day in the present similar to the one before those people seated long before. So of course, when Moses is presented as saying in verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you don't hear and you are led astray to bow down to other gods, I declare today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. This is offered, however, as an explanation for why things are the way that they are. This is the logic that Deuteronomy offers for all of Israel's losses. It was because the people were unfaithful to their God. But this is a backward glance through time and a very particular attempt to explain past collective trauma as one that was deserved. And Deuteronomy explains the exile as the consequence of this moment when Israel was given a choice and their failure to love the Lord, walk in God's ways, and observe the commandments which led to the exile. Mm, that's pretty rough. Yeah, it is. And it isn't, right? So the underlying hope behind Deuteronomy is that future generations will be able to witness this moment in retrospect and make a different choice. They will repent, correct themselves, love God, walk in God's ways, keep the instructions this day, today, hayom. So while that generation seemed doomed by Moses's words, audiences today might hear a renewed invitation to live faithfully and authentically nonetheless. So it's not too late to experience the blessings described here and avoid the curses that Moses describes. So, you know, how, how would you suggest preaching this passage? 
I think it might be worth remembering again where we are in the liturgical calendar, right? So this is the final week in the season of Epiphany. Next week is Transfiguration Sunday. And then, if you can believe it, we're already in Lent. So I think a powerful possibility for preaching this passage is in this last week of Epiphany as an invitation to recognize life and good as revelations of God available to us today, this day, Hayom. We can orient ourselves actively toward that which helps us to live with greater authenticity, integrity, and love. And we can put ourselves into positions where those daily epiphanies, the everyday manifestations of God as kindness, as well-being, as peace and beauty, connections, relationships, that doesn't pass us by. We can acknowledge them as blessings, as the fruit of faithfulness, commitment, and obedience. Now, these may not be extraordinary, but all those are truly revelations of God. They bring us closer to life, to good, to the divine. Every day, every moment, we make choices that put us on a path, right? So we're listening to the language of the two paths. We hear the invitation in the words of Moses to choose life, to choose good, and to do that today, to not put that off. And I think that's there's a great hope in that and a, a preaching possibility there. How about helping congregations take a moment to consider how life and good are coming to them today? Are there ways that we can help our congregation put themselves in positions where these epiphanies, these appearances of God are recognized for the blessings that they truly are? Wow. Great questions there. Um, You know, but how about pitfalls? Is there anything that you want to warn preachers about? Yeah, definitely. Right. So, you know, we were edging toward this earlier, but I want to remind preachers that life is complicated and it is not always easy to discern what is good and life-giving. Deuteronomy is a backward glance through time and the choices between life and death, good and evil, often appear clearer through the gaze of history. In the present, this day, today, it can be much more difficult and it's tempting to simply say, choose life over death. Well, that's easy, right? All of us want life and prosperity over death and adversity. But in reality, it's the daily choices that we make which align us incrementally, a little at a time, gradually closer to God, love, and life. And in fact, all of us know that obeying God, living faithfully, doing what is right, that doesn't automatically equate to everything going our way. And that's a dangerous fallacy that we've tried to point out on our podcast, right? This passage seems to paint a direct line between faithfulness and prosperity. But I want to warn preachers away from that destructive distortion. There are plenty of biblical examples of faithful men and women who nonetheless suffered. So women like Hannah and Leah, men like Joseph, Job, and for goodness sake, Jesus. (laughs) So preachers, please be careful with drawing a straight line between faithfulness and prosperity or a comfortable life. Wow, that's that's truly important. And I see the value in that. And I hope everyone else sees the same value as well. Well, that seems like a good place to end for this week. Thanks so much, Rosie, for giving us some helpful ideas on this passage. You are very welcome. Well, dear listeners, uh, that would do it for Fresh Reading this week. Remember, you can find an episode on just about every passage in the lectionary by using the helpful search tool on the website, firstreadingpodcasts.com. While you are there, browse some great merchandise, make a donation to help keep this podcast going. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you found this episode helpful, take a couple of minutes to leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you find us. Uh, That helps us reach new listeners and grow our community. 
Of course, the best way to spread the word is direct by sharing a link to your favorite episodes with the Bible lovers in your life. Until next time, I'm Paul Esser. And I'm Rosie Candlethal. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.